March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the My Bookie Bracket Contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes, and it's only a dollar to enter. It doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props. My Bookie has you covered. Sign up today at mybookie.ag and use promo code ZABE to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. And make sure you use my promo code so they know I hooked you up. That's promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. And with choices from thousands of lines and odds, you can turn any game day into payday. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Today on the Zabecast, a dark day for long-suffering Redskin fans. Not only does it look like Dan Snyder is going to survive this whole mess, but he'll come out even stronger. Danny boy today, Danny boy tomorrow, Danny boy forever. Some adventures in mask wearing. I'll need a ruling on two utterly absurd encounters. The NHL whacks a referee for either being crooked or just too honest. Plus listener feedback on recent episodes and this UFO shit is about to get real. Real. Oh, here we go. Thursday, March 25th, 2021. Thank you for downloading. Let's get right into it. Apparently, Dan Snyder is not only going to survive this latest run in with perhaps a challenge for his ownership of the Washington football team but he's going to be stronger in the end. According to reports, various reports on Wednesday, Snyder has received permission by the league to go deeper into debt than league bylaws allow in order to buy out his two disgruntled minority partners, maybe three, I think, and is going to go deeper into debt to buy them out for close to a billion dollars for their 40% of the team, which would then be added to Snyder's existing 60% to make him a 100% full owner of the team. For those of us who thought, hmm, this might be it. He might be ready to topple. The NFL could get rid of him. This was a dark, dark, disappointing Wednesday because it's now clear that he is going to come out of this and come out of it even stronger. So all the dreams and all the hopes have been dashed. And adding insult to that is another report that seems to indicate from Jason Wright, the new team president, that the WOOFT moniker, the Washington football team moniker, might actually stay and might actually become the new permanent team nickname. It's about as bad a day as you can get if you were born and raised a fan of this team. So with that as a backdrop, I said, I've got to get this guy Burgundy blog on the podcast. Who is he? I don't know. In fact, when I call him in a minute here, it'd be the first time I've ever talked to him. I've texted with him. I have exchanged direct messages with him. He prefers to stay pretty quiet, and he's only now just doing certain podcasts. I saw where he did Al Galdi's podcast, so I was kind of miffed about that, but that's all right. I'll get over it. Good for Galdi. But basically, I caught 
he caught my eye because his sentiments regarding how fucked up the team has been run by Snyder over the years definitely mirrored mine. But he had very smart, savvy takes about what was going on and was very frustrated with how things were going. And then one day he dropped on me privately some documents regarding some contracts with uh, team personnel. I'm like, ooh, shit. That's a real... That's a real con. Where did you get that exactly? And he's like, I have my sources. So he is my Redskins slash Washington football team deep throat. And it's my pleasure now to say hello to Burgundy Blog, who you can follow on Twitter for a good follow of this team at Burgundy Blog, spelled just like that. Hello. We are live, and this is the only way I could do it. First time I've ever spoken to you. My own deep throat when it comes to the boyhood team that you and I have rooted for for too long. Burgundy Blog. We finally meet. I'm playing the song, damn it, because why not? Who's going to stop me? Certainly not me. Certainly not you. Good to meet you, even though I don't know who you are, and I don't even want to know who you are. I want you to remain a beautiful mystery to me. Although I, I think there was a golf offer a year ago that you and I mutually agreed we should do it, but uh, we'll yeah. figure that it's out. It's just on hold. We it's on hold. Happen. It's on hold. We'll figure it out. So, I said before you, I introduced you. I said this is a tough day for a lot of us, and I let myself believe, BB, that yep. Snyder was actually in trouble. And the news today came out, and it just, it just gutted me. I'm like, great. He's not only going to survive, he is going to be stronger on the other side of it. How? Emboldened. Yes. How did this happen? Is this just, I guess the theory is the owners, billionaires are not going to start a circular firing squad in today's climate, right? Well, uh, let, let me stop you right there. I mean, I guess that's certainly what everyone says every time this comes up, right? I mean, are we... Are we are we sure that's true? I mean, I, I get yeah. I, they don't they don't want their skeletons out. I get it, and I'm sure they all have some. The one but, the uh, one guy that everyone was rooting for was why can't we have our own uh, Jerry Richardson? Yeah. That's the comp. Yeah. It happened with Richardson. Why wouldn't this be the same? Well, I mean, I don't know. Let's ask Beth Wilkinson if we're allowed to. Well, that's the thing. The Wilkinson report. So d- apparently, the story also included a note that Snyder would be fined. Yeah. an undisclosed amount for the cheerleader thing, but they said that would not, that it was independent of the Wilkinson investigation. I mean, how, how bad does this look that they're allowing him to, to finish the deal, to buy it all in the middle? I mean, the investigation is ongoing, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe it's practically finished, but like what? Right. It makes no sense. Okay. So you're still absorbing it and, and you have people and, and, and things that you know. Is there any reason to keep a sliver of hope alive that, wait a minute, this is not necessarily a done deal just yet? Well, I wish, I mean, no, I, I don't have any, okay. anything inside on that. But I mean, I guess the, you know, in theory, perhaps the hope is that somehow this, you know, the NFL is, is uh, encouraging or allowing this because ultimately in a year or two, this will, this is part of forcing him to sell it all together. I oh, mean, right. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. So I'm not sure I followed the logic there either because not like, it's not like it was going to be hard to unload it, you know, in pieces. Like the, the, they would have had 
people lining up, oh, you know, to, yeah. to, to buy it. So, I don't know. I think it's bad. I'm with you. I think it's bad. I certainly don't think that if any, if the owners were anticipating having to declare him unfit anytime soon, I, I don't, I, I can't see how they would allow this to happen today. Do you think they'll release the full Wilkinson report? Nope. No. <laughs> because, uh, because I think it's going to have bad stuff in it. And I think that they, they know that it's, I think it's going to be not bad enough to kick him out, but bad enough to look bad. And, and if they don't have to release it, then, then why would they? I mean, it's going to be easier for them to continue sweeping under that rug if they don't. Right. Did them, not that I give a shit about billionaires, like the minority uh, partners that got out uh, for close to a billion collectively, but it seemed like their 40% chunk. If you just do the simple math, valuates the franchise at about 2.1, which seems to me quite low. Yeah. What, what happened there? Did they get, did they get screwed or is that the going rate for getting out as minority non-controlling partners? I, I guess it is. I guess I'm not an expert on that either, but this supposedly since it's not a, you know, since those aren't voting or controlling shares, they just cost, I mean, it's not a, it's, you, you can't prorate it, um, you know, cleanly. So, right. uh, I think that even though that number, you know, factors out to 2.2 or two and a half or whatever, I think everyone seems to be assuming that if, if he wanted to sell it, he could get three or four yeah. or five. I mean, which is just unbelievable because it's even better for him. I mean, it's just like, he, it is unbelievable. Falling up. It, he keeps falling up. He fell into the team, as you know, Burgundy blog in the first place. Because of the other <laughs> shitheads who are bidding on the team, including the incompetent <laughs> yeah. son of the late squire, Jack Ken Cook. I mean, right. Snyder getting the team was one of the luckiest things ever in a little pocket of his own financial liquidity that was based on very shady business practices. Since there, since then, every business venture he's been in, other than owning an NFL team, which is like owning a gold mine, has gone straight to the shitter. <laughs> Everything. Oh, it's so yeah. maddening. I feel like uh, Frank Grimes working with Homer Simpson looking at it right now. He threaded the needle to our chagrin. Oh, God. Marty Conway, who teaches uh, sports law and marketing at Georgetown, listener of mine, says uh, he responded to me today when I said it seemed low for the number. He says, inside buyer, no marketplace for the shares, no involvement in decisions or direction. That's the haircut that limited partners, which were very limited in this case, take. That said, they likely got a two to three times increase in the value of their shares over time again and i'm not get, gonna cry and, for and him, they though. get away from him that's the thing uh, at some point what's funny is they uh they used to be buds right yeah. Sh- dwight Shar is one of the minority guys uh who else is in that group of three um fred smith fedex right and rothman yeah yeah those guys used to be dan's boys like yeah, well so did bruce i know Everybody who's Dan's boy at some point becomes not Dan's boy. Seems like it. <laughs> it seems like it. It definitely is like it. <laughs> yeah. e- even my boy Cooley, who I worked with for years and I loved to death, you know, he was he was a yacht. He had yacht access at one point with Snyder. But when the shit hit the fan, he went out with the bathwater, didn't he? Wow. Yeah. Good point. That, yeah. that sucks. So what now? As this thing unfolds, I think part of it is the massive TV increase is something mm-hmm. the NFL said. The last thing we need is to make a move on one of our owners and to create a block stories on the Today Show about what horrible, bullying, harassing, 
billionaires we have in our club because then the media is going to go looking for others. So guess what? Get the biggest broom we got, find the largest mm-hmm. rug we have, and let's move on. Yeah. Right? Seems like it. All right. And then so- we as fans have to just hope that, you know, we can continue to uh, have this this clear delineation and division between football and non-football stuff, I guess. I mean, I guess, yeah. The next big thing, assuming he comes through this as it looks like he will, will be the stadium. And I don't know if he has the juice or the connections right. or the goodwill with the community to get a decent stadium in a right. decent place. How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, oof, I don't know if I'm assuming, but I'm definitely pretty worried that it's that they're not moving. From FedEx Field? Right. I mean, maybe like immediately next door, but I think Landover, I mean, because you're, I mean, who's, I don't think anyone wants to get, get into bed with them if they're not already, you know? And so if he's supposedly, he's got a lot of land right around the current stadium, right? So he raised that thing and then, you know, build his new malls and all that. And everyone's still making the, making the trek out there. I think, yeah. Talk about the worst of all worlds. Danny survives the beloved nickname and logo, which he once swore It'll never change is gone. And they build a new piece of shit in the middle of nowhere next to the (laughs) old piece of shit. Now, I would assume the new piece of shit stadium won't be as much of a piece of shit as FedEx because uh, the old man built that uh, by taking trips to Home Depot to get more screws and toggle bolts so he could see it before he died and it still didn't work out that way. But the new one will be better, but it's location. The location's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That said, that said, you're still a fan of the team, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I I've tried to quit so many times; it doesn't take. <laughs> uh, how do you do? You feel strongly about the name thing because that was the other piece of news that dropped today that caused me to slap my forehead and groan that the actual woofed moniker may stay. I have pretty strong feelings. Yeah, I'm. I strongly disliked when it when the old one left, and um, I really very strongly disliked the idea that woofed might be permanent. Do you think it's going to happen? Um, gosh, I mean, I just, that's, I can't bring myself to see a, you know, the future of just calling them the team. I mean, I, 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 he's, he certainly, Jason Wright has said enough times recently. I mean, it's more than just one or two little allusions to the idea that, yeah, it's, it's still on the table. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the leader in the clubhouse is. I, it is a little hard to believe, isn't it? When he says every time, I mean, he's and reiter, reiterated again today, like there is no leader. We've eliminated nothing. We, I mean, are they, are we to believe that they're no further along? I think that's a complete lie. I suspect right. all the important people, right now I'll pretty much already know what what it is yeah I think there's a couple things you mentioned leader in the clubhouse I think that's a perfect analogy I think in life a lot of times being the first to stand on a square carries a lot of weight to it whether you're you're the right person for the job or your idea is necessarily the best being first carries a lot of weight in everything Mm -hmm. right so the the nickname so the replacement name has been sitting there and we've worn it like an itchy sweater for a year yeah. And we're starting to go, eh, it doesn't look that bad. I mean, it's kind of itchy, <laughs> but it's starting to loosen up just a bit. So there's value in that. The other thing is, what has Dan Snyder over the years absolutely been most petrified of? And that is being criticized and made fun of. He can't stand it. He has got such a thin skin. And any new name, no matter how well vetted, no matter how creative, no matter how cool the logo is going to meet, some people going, ah, pfft. That name sucks, or 
it's still not far enough away from the old nickname. And I think to avoid that, because Danny loves to avoid public appearances, public speaking, and any criticism, he may stay on Wolfed. Maybe, but I'll pledge to you and anyone listening that I will lead a public outcry against Wolfed when that becomes confirmed. But what good is it going to do, Burgundy Blog? I know. I know. <laughs> just like the outcry, Never just does. like I, I was sitting there going, I got to get the boat rocking back and forth on this thing. I with the, Well, with maybe the we need to start early, you know, now that you <laughs> mention it. I think <laughs> we maybe early. the campaign needs to start tonight. Oh, it's so goddamn hopeless. The only uh, hope. Can, please, what's yeah. your take, Zabe? I, mean, I would like, you hate my it, right? take, my take is I would like, um, I would like Red Wolves. And right. I've seen mock-ups of that uh, with the R in a circle with, instead of a feather, a wolf tail. Mm-hmm. Mimicking yeah. the old Lombardi R in a circle with the, the feathers on the back. And I dig that. Now, some say, oh, it's too much of a ripoff on the old thing. We got to keep getting further away from that. It's a new day, mm-hmm. new age. Uh, Red Tails is intriguing, but it's a radical jump away from what it once was. I don't know. I yeah, don't know. I don't, I don't love any of them, but I would love any of them over what we got right now. Yes. Nothing. No, there has to be a logo. There can't be just numbers on a helmet like your Alabama North. Them, yeah. That, to me, is a joke. So he's got that. He's got stadium. He's got a name to navigate. It looks like he's going to survive the cheerleader thing. Who knows if the report will go public? You are doubtful about that. He'll have total mm-hmm. control when he buys out his partners. Some say he might bring on some new minority partners to pay for all this new debt. But does it really matter? He'll just find new assholes who yeah. say, he's a great guy. He just wants to win. And if they stick around <laughs> long enough, they'll be like, I can't stand this guy. I got to leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the cycle continues. So our only hope, Burgundy Blog, as longtime sufferers and fans of this team, is that somehow Snyder learns to be yeah. a better owner. Yeah. Do you sense any indication of that? Um. I mean, maybe. I mean, it seems like, you know, trying not to be the pr- a prisoner of the moment. Has he has he picked the right people this time around? I mean, they're off to a good start, right? The Rivera regime is mm-hmm. looking pretty good, and maybe Jason Wright is is going to be good at what he does. I mean, it, it's it seems okay, but it's you know, it's it has seemed okay at at the beginning many times in the past. I don't. Um, I mean, at this point, no. Just just look at what he's done with with suing everyone, you know, just even recently, and suing everyone in India. I mean, his character is not going to change. He's not going to stop being a problem. Right. It's 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 can you know, can the his new coach and his and the seven XGMs that he's now insulated himself with <laughs> be be remote enough and separate enough to do their own thing and be successful in spite of him? They're never going to be successful because of him. Absolutely not. No way. Right. But. It is. I suppose it's within. Uh, it's conceivable that they could be successful in spite of them. So that's what you got to just cross your fingers. What kind of year was last year? Seven and nine division time. Yeah. Historically bad NFC East. Was it a good year? Um, it was. It was. Uh, it was quite a bit better than I thought. But I think maybe not as good as it as it's being remembered. Um, I, I mean, I. I feel like they they, they capitalized on. Um, I've said this a couple times before, but they, they didn't play any quarterbacks. They played probably the weakest slate of quarterbacks across the season that, that you know that I could re- remember. Right. Um, and they preyed on them, and that's you know that's what you're supposed to do. So good on them, and they absolutely got better as the season went on. And they, 
a lot of young players to be very excited about. So, I mean, I had it at, at, at three, three or four wins, and they outkicked that for sure. Right. But I think some of this stuff about, well, the defense is already elite. I mean, no. I'm, I'm not I'm not quite on that. And, uh, you know, the offense has so much to prove. They, it was a disaster. So I think they were probably not quite as good as your average 7-9 and nine team, and it made it look all the better that they actually won the division. Yeah. Now, the defense um... – the defense is statistically top shelf, and you can find them in the top 10 or top five of many stats, but they were not havoc wreakers. Like yeah. a defense that fucked people up was Tampa's because when they got to Green Bay, they fucked up Aaron Rodgers, they fucked up their receivers, and they won that game. And they did, yeah. they did even more of that in the Super Bowl to Kansas City. Yeah. So that's the kind of defense that you have to be if you're really going to be elite, and maybe they'll get there. The quarterback situation. What do you think yeah. the team should do there? Well, um, I like I like what they did, you know, last week. I, I'm I think um, uh, with adding a few weapons, I mean, I think Fitzgerald's going to be, or sorry, Fitzpatrick's going to be fun to watch. Um, it, but you know, obviously that's not permanent. I, I don't think they're going to be in a huge rush to solve to to get the long term answer, you know, stat. Um, and and that's fine by me because I don't think you always can. I mean, I think a lot of people are upset that they didn't do something mm-hmm. that uh, that is the you know obviously plan A for the next five years. And it's like you can't. That doesn't always fall into your lap. I mean, even if you, you can't just say, well, this is the year we're going to make it happen. If they have to wait till it sets up. And I mean, if if something happens in the draft, okay, great. But um, if it's got to be next year, I think that's fine too. There's nothing wrong with building up that roster and strengthening the cockpit to drop the rookie into next year or even the year after. You know, get. I mean do what you got to do to keep getting good. And I, I, I do hope that they continue to, you know, Rivera continues to view it as year two of the rebuild much more than year one of the Super Bowl run. My biggest fear and certainly something that will make me sick is that if Danny ever experiences any degree of real success or real winning, he will become even yeah. more insufferable. Totally. And the other fear is that as soon as he tastes a little success, his shitty instincts will kick in and he'll right. quickly sabotage it, kind of like when he mm-hmm. first took over. They made it to the second round of the playoffs, lost on a bad missed field goal attempt right. in Tampa, and then he went out and got Bruce George, uh, Jeff George, Bruce Smith, and Deion Sanders, and the rest <laughs> yeah. was history. So right. if he gets a little bit of success, he may revert to what he thinks he knows about sports and building a football team, which could be a disaster. But if he lets his guys do his thing – and they do have real success, he'll get to bask in it. I guess the ultimate question is, will he ever win us over, you and I, Burgundy Blog, in our lifetime, to say, all right, you know what? It was a shitty first 20 years, but ah, the nerd finally got it. No way, not me. Uh, not you. No, he'd have to win. They'd have to win multiple Super Bowls for me to think that, he think, that, that it was in any way because of him. Right. Because you and I know the bad things he has done behind Too the scenes. Much. He is no, he's declared himself. He is what he is. <laughs> he is. Now you sound younger than I would have thought, and I'm <laughs> curious as to your age because I need to know how much of the glory years you remember, if you yeah. were even of age at that no, time. No, I'm I'm 40. I got on. I got on at probably in the last glory year, the very last. So in '91, you were how yeah. old? 11, turning 11. So just a little taste of it. So you got yeah. some real good football from about age 7 to 11. <laughs> yeah, well. Do you yeah. remember? Do you remember? Well, you don't remember 82. Do you remember 87? 
No, I really wasn't even in. I was I was playing T-ball back then. I know, I was so fucking young. Yeah. It's a shame and there's guys a lot longer a lot younger than you that are fans of this team. Call yeah, my shows, email me and they literally have never seen anything really good from this team. Yeah. But it, it you know, you can it, it colors them. They're, that's that's why they're happy with 7 and 9. Do you still have gear, Redskin gear that says Redskins? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, Do you wear it? I wore, wore, wore my hat to, to uh, soccer practice today. Attaboy. Attaboy. All right, Burgundy Blog on Twitter, at Burgundy Blog. It's a great follow, super passionate fan, and some good inside deets that you won't get anywhere else. Great to finally meet you. Let's play golf this summer. Sounds good, Zay. Thanks. All right, man. The NHL has a refereeing crisis on their hands. They have whacked one of their veteran whistles, a gentleman by the name of Tim Peel, who was caught on a hot mic on Wednesday, on Tuesday night, talking about how he wished he could call, he wanted to call a penalty on the Predators as they were en route to beating the Detroit Red Wings two to nothing. Here's the original audio, and then we'll comment. Great chance. Great chance. Soros makes the save on the other side, but Nashville playing some tic-tac-toe, and Grice makes up big save. Here it comes. 12.42 to go in the second. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty against Nashville early in the... There you go. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty on Nashville early in the fucking period. Oh, yeah. Uh, early in the period. The, the F-bomb was early. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty against Nashville early in the... Okay, so Tim Peel was summarily fired less than 24 hours later, and my gut reaction was, I don't like it. I don't like any person having their entire livelihood wiped away for a single mistake, at least not without some due process. Obviously, Tim Peel had gone through whatever league evaluation was necessary, league procedures. All these referees get evaluated up the yin-yang every single year, and they go through all kinds of stuff. But there are still some bad referees out there. We all know who they are in various sports. College basketball, according to Reddit, TV Ted Valentine, King Carl Hess, Jamie Lucky, Dinosaur Rick Hartzell, Blind Les Jones and others. Bo Borowski is the guy that Wisconsin fans absolutely wanted to uh, throw into a vat of uh, nacho cheese after screwing up a game against Iowa. But is this guy, Tim Peel, really a bad referee? And is it the worst thing in the world to say what he said? I would have liked to have heard at least an investigation, at least the league saying he's been suspended We're going to investigate. We want to know what else was said. We want to listen to the entire audio of him being mic'd up. We want to talk to the players and the coaches about what was going on in the game. We want to understand the context of it all. But that didn't happen. They're like, ah, this guy's got to go. Which makes me say, so you fired a guy for one comment, even though you had been evaluating him and you didn't sort of notice any sort of troubling stuff like, hey, this guy calls shitty calls. Or this guy isn't you know, administering the game the way we want it administered. Or the other referees in the games that are working with Tim Peel 
They haven't complained to the point where, who is this fucking asshole? This guy sucks. You still had him. That, to me, does not make any sense. Story in The Athletic here, uh, quoting uh, Victor Arvidson, actually uh, Matt Duchesne, Preds Forward, on the Robbie and Rex Road show on ESPN Radio on Monday morning, said Duchesne, he told our bench that. So that's who he was talking to. He told our bench that. I mean, really bizarre. I just think it can't happen, he said. Imagine the scenario where they score on that power play. We lose the game, and we miss the playoffs by a point. Imagine that scenario. Well, okay. Yeah, I can imagine. It's a far-fetched one, but whatever. That can happen, right? That can happen based on that's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't think there's a place in hockey for that. You've got to call the game. I've always been frustrated when I see even-up calls. Truth of the matter is, even-up calls exist, and sometimes even-up calls, I believe, are not wrong. Because a referee who calls whatever game they're calling strictly by the book will not last. They'll be thrown out. Because the principle of officiating is such that you want to call the game as the rules dictate, but with some other considerations sort of mixed into the stew. And so even up calls can be a thing as long as they're not blatant. God damn this motherfuckers. Probably need to drink more water. I went to see the doctor again, the, the same GERD doctor, and I've now seen her for follow-ups on this voice thing since October. One, two, three. At least four times. Every time I go, okay, how's it going? Is it getting better? I'm like, yeah, it's getting better, but it's still not quite home. Okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll renew your prescription for Omoprazole. Why don't you up it to two pills a day, and we'll see if we can get you there. Okay, great. 80 bucks, 80 bucks copay. I'm like, five-minute visits. When am I going to stop doing this? And I told her today, I think my voice is about 90%. <clears throat> and I think so, but, I mean, what, do I have a meter on my voice? I don't. I can't tell. That said, maybe you guys who listen to me all the time can tell me, what percentage do you think my voice is at? I think right now it's quite mellifluous and solid, and I can go down here and sotto voce, and I can get into this register when I couldn't before, and then when I go up, and I can do a soft voice and hot. Stop doing that. Okay. Anyhow, Arvidson was called for tripping on John Merrill on Tuesday. A voice was heard in the broadcast saying it wasn't much. Okay, I gave you that. Peel... Peel and Kelly Sutherland were the referees assigned to the game, which the Preds went on to win 2 nothing. Peel announced the penalty. In this article, though, by The Athletic, they write, the vagaries of how officials call games has long been a bugaboo for the NHL, especially in the playoffs, where standards employed in calling penalties vary from period to period, game to game, series to series. Well, no shit. Because in hockey, especially, just like holding in the NFL, foul calling in um, basketball, you could call something if you want pretty much every play. But that would ruin the game. So what do you call? I'll never forget my buddy's dad uh, asking one time as he watched a hockey game, I can't believe they're just smashing into each other. How come that's not a penalty? And I had to try to explain what a legal check was versus what was interference or cross-checking or tripping or holding or hooking or anything else. And it's a million shades of gray. And even for those in the game, it's shades of gray. And yeah, they call the game differently in the playoffs. They call the game, they've called penalties by the book 
to start NHL seasons, and you have seen this dramatic spike in power plays, and then it calms down after a couple of weeks because the league office wanted to send a message. Same thing in football. Remember all the pass interference calls that started the season? Was that this year or last year? Can't remember. Remember the year they decided, well, we're going to call every little touch of a quarterback, and we had the worst rash of totally bullshit roughing the passer calls early in the year. My point is not to necessarily excuse Tim Peel, who may be the Angel Hernandez of hockey. More on that in just a second. But it's to say that the notion of, well, just call the game as it is. Just call the fouls as they come. Call the penalties as you see them. There is no such thing. It's all shades of gray. So he was being too honest, I think, saying, I was looking to call a penalty on Detroit. Why was he looking to call a penalty? Asked for his reaction to the overhead comment, overheard comments, writes The Athletic, of retired NHL referee Kerry Frazier. He called it unfortunate, saying there's so many hot mics around in a rink now, officials can't, any, can't have any sort of private conversation because somebody's always listening. Frazier, of course, a career of 30 years in the NHL. As an officiating crew, and ever since we've gone to the two-referee system, there's times in the game when the two refs consult with one another about the flow of the game, the requirements that each game needs. No two games are alike. The good referees, the great referees, have a feel for the game. Frazier added that there were times in his career when he would want to have a penalty, not create one, he says, but he would want to have a penalty he would want it to happen thinking to have one happen for me that was a gift that I could make a call for one reason or the other to bring the temperature down in a game. That to me sounds like an exoneration of Tim Peel and what he said. He wasn't going to make one up. In fact, Peel said, I wanted to, but there wasn't much and so he couldn't. There wasn't much, but I wanted to get a Penalty against Nashville early in the- You know, again, I would have liked to have heard more about it. But the NHL, easier to throw a guy overboard and move on. Now, we got to work on getting Bo Borowski, Angel Hernandez, and a few other guys to retire. March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with my Bookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the My Bookie Bracket Contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes. And it's only a dollar to enter. It doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props. My Bookie has you covered. Sign up today at mybookie.ag and use promo code ZABE to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. And make sure you use my promo code so they know I hooked you up. That's promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. And with choices from thousands of lines and odds, you can turn any game day into payday. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Time for some adventures in mask wearing. Two incidents I had recently. One was at good old Costco. I'm walking down the aisle and I had uh, a conversation. I was having a phone conversation with my wife. 
and I was trying to FaceTime her some items on the shelves because she's like, no, not that one. Need this one. Okay, whatever. I had my mask on because, you know, whatever. And I walked past one of the old lunch ladies who is now giving out free samples at Costco, which, by the way, nature is healing. The free samples are coming back. But there was the old warhorse retired lunch lady, and I'm convinced that's where they go to play out their final years of dishing out food. And as I'm walking past, I hear distinctly, not to my face, but kind of behind me in a sharp voice, the following. Masks over nose in Costco, please. And I noticed that my mask was probably a little bit under the tip of my handsome Brad Pitt-like nostrils. I simply let out a laugh like this <laughs> and kept walking. I didn't hear anything else from the old warhorse lunch lady, and I resisted the urge to do a flyby and to take my mask fully down and say, I'm sorry, were you talking to me? I resisted many urges at that point to somehow get back at her, but it was so funny to think, why would she do that? What motivated her to be such a stickler for my mask? And I, I'm honest when I'm saying it was just a tick below my nostril. And I thought, well, Costco's a big corporation and they may have secret shoppers that come by and they may test their employees to see, hey, are you actually enforcing the rules? That's a possibility. The other possibility is that her being an old warhorse lunch lady feels vulnerable and doesn't really want to be around people whose noses are exposed. And so therefore, she was actually a bit triggered and scared. It's possible. The third thing, and maybe this is the most likely explanation, is some people just love to enforce the rules. And there might be an extra layer on top of that, which would be Some people love to enforce the rules, and some people also see those who flout the rules, which she probably thought I was doing. I was just being kind of careless, and I'm, again, focused on talking to my wife through a mask, FaceTiming her, showing her different items that, which one do you want? There are people that love to enforce the rules and perhaps assign extra special vitriol for those who are deemed to be rules flouters like myself, maybe even political motives. She probably thought there is another MAGA hat wearing anti-maskite. I'm going to get him nose over mouth or mask over nose at Costco, please. It was just sort of stunning to absorb it all and to think about it. My other mask incident this week was at a local restaurant, an establishment that had just opened up not far from where we live. I won't name the name because I don't need to do this. Nobody's heard of it, but it's a nice little place to get food. And it's got a setup in which they've got a large outdoor picnic table area in addition to indoor dining and a bar that kind of blends the two. So you can go up to one side of the bar, which is outside, and there's the bar that's on the inside with a big garage door. I'm sure you've seen these setups, right? I go up there to pick up food on a Monday night, very dead Monday night, on a nice sort of spring evening. And I go up, there's 
maybe four or five people outside in the picnic area. There might be six or seven inside in the restaurant area. And I go just to pick up food. And I walk up and I see the sign. Masks required even for picking up food. I'm like, all right, well, here we go. Stride up to the counter, a young woman probably in her early 20s, greets me with her mask on, which, by the way, I feel terrible for everybody in food service and in retail that have to wear these things and have been wearing them for months and months and months and months. I do feel bad, but I can't do anything about it. That said, I go up and she looks at me and says, do you have a mask? And I said, nope, just like that. Nope. I didn't say I forgot it. I didn't apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry. I just, I forgot it. No, I would just indifferently say, nope. She says, okay, just a minute. She walks over to the side. She gets a packet of fresh new masks, opens it up, pulls one out, puts it on the counter and says, do you mind? I say, no. Now, at that point, I could have said, whoa, whoa. I've been like Polly Walnuts. No, you put it on the dirty counter. That could have COVID all over it. But I said, yeah, fine. Pick it up, slap it on. I made sure it was crooked <laughs> and haphazard. I stood there stone-faced like a cigar store Indian. That's a real thing. Don't try to cancel me, okay? Swear to God, look it up. I sit there as, stand there as expressionless as a cigar store Indian. She then gets my food. I sign for it. I make sure to put zero with a slash through it for the tip. Mind you, this is a restaurant that we made sure to order from early in the pandemic a year ago because we didn't want them to go out of business. But whatever. Zero with a slash through it. I didn't write any notes like, how dare you make me wear a mask? It just made sure. No tip. Zero. Slash. When she gave me the receipt to sign, she then turned away to go administer to another duty uh, at the bar. I then signed, picked up my food, took off the mask that I had worn for all of 10 seconds, and I laid it right on top of the bill. Now, was I the asshole for giving her a new biohazard to have to touch with her hands, or maybe she's got special tongs to take that mask and throw it away? I don't know. Was I the asshole, or did I deal with that appropriately? Okay. You want to play a stupid game? Let's play a stupid game. I'll wear one of your masks masks for 10 seconds while standing here picking up my food. I guess laying it on top of the bill was a bit passive aggressive, a bit hostile, but okay. There's a report out, there's a video clip that came out from Mexico in which somebody has gone to the ingenious level of designing nose only masks. <laughs> they say that they're ideal for eating because, hey, at least you're covering your snot holes while you are eating. Now, they realize, they recognize that, well, there's still breath and, and oxygen and exhale and CO2 and spit and globules and stuff coming out of your mouth while you're and that the virus can be spewing out of that. But the notion was, hey, at least it's something. Most of the responses to the story were, are you fucking kidding me? I tweeted it and I just said, makes sense, dot, dot, dot. That's my way of sarcastically 
pretending to buy into it when everyone fucking knows it's absolutely ridiculous. And a lot of people said, hey, smelling your food is half the game when it comes to your olfactory senses and everything else. It just looks stupid as hell. Which brings me to this when it comes to reporting on the pandemic. If you think that the media in the U.S. is skewing very negative on the overall scope of the pandemic, you're right. David Leonard of the New York Times, of all places, uh, computed some data on the tone of articles regarding the pandemic, and it shows that U.S. national news covers COVID much more negatively than foreign media, scientific journals, or even regional media within the U.S. In fact, the numbers in this study um, showed that the U.S. national news tends to skew 85 to 90% negative. It's trending down, but it's still about 80%. By comparison, international reporting on the pandemic is between 55 and 60% negative and trending down. And U.S. and local regional news is about 10 points higher from about 60 to 65% negative. Then I saw this from the Yahoo News feed that comes to my inbox. I took a screenshot of it. Well, first of all, Biden urges schools to reopen as distancing and vaccine questions remain. (laughs) Please open, pretty please. It's so funny. It's like, oh shit, I got to get them to open. I can't. Damn teachers unions. They won't open. Son of a bitch, JR. Then there's this, why you should hang on to your vaccination card. It may allow for easier re-entry into normal activities in the near future. Show us your papers. Then there's this on the so-called long COVID. The new hobgoblin. Long COVID. Who knows? If it's real or if it is partly imagined by those who are hypochondriacs, I'm sure some people have long-term complications in the wake of COVID. No question about it whatsoever. Hell, I might be having some long-term complications from my otherwise uneventful bout with COVID. But that's true of any infectious virus. They had mild COVID, then their serious symptoms kicked in. A new report reveals long-term COVID can be worse than an initial bout with the infection itself, causing a variety of stubborn and complex problems. Fear porn. But this story takes the cake when it comes to negative coverage. Yahoo Life. Headline. What's behind the rush to return to normal? The rush? It's been a year. Plus, even as public health experts warn, there's still a long way to go until the pandemic is over. Plenty of people and companies seem to be rushing to return to a sense of normalcy. Not even normal normal, just a sense of normalcy. They're rushing. This headline makes me say, holy shit. And I bet a lot of people actually feel the same way. What's the rush? What's behind the rush to return to normal? How can those of us over here on the side of hashtag team reality, how can we even answer such a fucked up question? What's behind the rush to return to normal? What's behind it? The rush? (sighs) 
And then there's sports writers. God bless sports writers. So dependably team virus. Lori Nickel, who seems like a nice woman and writes for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I'm sure I'll run into her at some point. I won't bring this up unless she brings it up. I'm not going to start a fight. I'm not trying to talk shit, but I'm just going to read her story. Lori Nickel posted a photo, a selfie with a mask, getting the first shot of the virus, which, by the way, I think it's the dumbest fucking thing ever. Taking a picture of you and your vaccine. Yay. Now, I know that people like Ms. Nickel think it's part of, you know, my duty as a public figure to show people I got vaccinated. You should get vaccinated. We should all get vaccinated because they think they're influencers. We all think we're influencers, right? She writes, I'm gonna cry. Team Moderna, thank you at Walgreens, especially the super busy staff at 60th in Oklahoma. Yes, a, a, a vaccine injection is such a complicated procedure. It's so arduous. Spent last year avoiding this horrible virus, and now I'm thinking of all those who couldn't be saved. This is the way back. Thanks, scientists. Medical professionals. Tom Hodricourt, another guy who I know of and I have not yet met, and I'm sure I'll run into him. And again, I'm not going to bring this up because I don't care to start a fight. Seems like a nice guy, but I'm going to comment on their public comments. Tom responds, great feeling, isn't it? Lifts your spirits. Hopefully the vaccine program picks up steam and everyone jumps on board. On board. God bless you, Lori. I'm glad that you cried for getting a vaccine for which I'm looking at, I don't know how old you are, and it's un- impolite to ask a woman how old she is. I'm just going to guess, though. She can't be more, she's not as old as me, can't be. I mean, she looks great, 40s at most. A woman your age, in good health, you are going to be fine anyway. But if you want to cry, go ahead and cry. And yes, of course, feel very empathetic for those who did not, make it through this, quote, horrible virus. Let's go ahead and throw one in to the MyBookie gut hunch, gut punch wager of the day. Nothing scientific, no reams of data, just a little something-something to make my night more interesting. You can as well, by the way. Get a MyBookie account today at MyBookie.ag. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and spice up your sports-watching life. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of other companies now. They're like legal betting in your state. Watch out. They're rookies. They're doing a lot of things that you're like, hmm, interesting. Trust my bookie, the official bookmaker of this podcast, the Zabecast. So, loser the other night, Abilene Christian, plus eight and a half against UCLA. I did not throw one in on the podcast I had with Coach Jones. More on that in a second. But here's my gut hunch, gut punch of the night. And again, I'm going late night as I record this on a Wednesday night. I will take... The Utah Jazz minus 12.5 against the Brooklyn Nets, who are without Kyrie Irving, who has left the team for three games due to a quote-unquote personal matter, family matter. Some are even speculating that it may be because it is Kyrie's birthday week, and so therefore he's going to get some time off of work. 12.5 is a big number. The Jazz just lost to the Wizards the other night. And you're like, why the hell does that happen? How does that happen? Did they lose? Was that the game that they lost? I think so. Anyhow, I'll take the Jazz minus 12 and a half in my my bookie gut hunch, gut punch of the day. No limits, bet anything, anywhere, anytime. Instant access to the action no matter where you are. Go to mybookie.ag, get yourself an account, and go from there. Wow, the feedback I've gotten from 
people regarding the Coach Jones interview. It played out just as I said it might. Brett Williams writes, Steed, get out of my head. So I see the recap of the podcast in the play now, and it says Mike Jones, high school basketball coach. And I think, meh, this one's probably not for me. No biggie. Everything doesn't have to be for me. But, but you do have a track record of providing us with interesting content. So I think, okay, I'll hit play and let it rock. Well, damn it, once again, something I thought would be meh was compelling and fascinating. Maybe it's the host. So that happens. No biggie, right? Oh, no, you've then got to close with literally what I am thinking with a man, I got to send an email and tell him how this subverted my expectation. But you say it out loud. That's it. I'm done. You do you. Provide the ear candy and I will sit and consume from the mean streets of La Plata, Maryland. Sincerely, Brett Williams. Thank you, Brett. I appreciate that. This one from Thumping Melon. Zabe, when I saw the guest for the power lunch, I thought, well, time for me to find something else. No high school basketball fan here, but I gave it five minutes and it was... Awesome. Loved hearing a man at the top of his game feeling comfortable sharing great stories. Thank you very much. Uh, This one from Al in Tucson. Zabe, it took me a while, but I've warmed up to your Milwaukee show. I think the chemistry between you, Josh, and Gitter has really picked up. Well done. Regards, Albert in Tucson. Yes, Albert has been a longtime listener of mine of the DC show and the sports reporters and me, Scott, and Sally, and he's now coming around. Uh, This one from Daniel Miller. All of your shows are good to great. Thank you. But yes, always a but. Tuesday and Wednesday were spectacular. So much good stuff. Many thanks, Dan. Appreciate that. Then there's this. Tom Incontro says, Zabe DeMathis Mike Jones was an outstanding interview. Honestly, I'm not a fan of the Blue Blood College basketball programs and the powerhouse high school and AAU feeders of said programs. When I realized you were having one of those coaches on, it was too late to skip the episode. I was already in the shower, but damn it, it was great. The insight and stories were top-notch. Again, outstanding interview. I'd love to hear more from Coach Jones, fan in Omaha. P.S. What was up with the Alex Jones wannabe the day before? Zabe, more Coach Jones, less Alex Jones. Speaking of John Ziegler, this one from Jeremy in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Zabe, I'm not even done with today's podcast. I fucking love this guy, Ziegler. His intensity, his articulation, this is great. So many great points. I agree with all of them. COVID-19 took the people with Trump derangement syndrome and simply turbocharged their insanity to now COVID derangement syndrome. C.L. Fleming in Montana says, Steve, quick point. Ziegler used the word liberal to describe most sports media members, and I know what he meant, and I agree, but... When George H.W. Bush was debating Michael Dukakis in 88, he frequently used liberal as a derisive term. Now when I think of Republican politicians, most of them are to the left of where Dukakis was. The Overton window has shifted so far at this point, I don't think liberal accurately describes any current Democrat officeholder or any of their supporters. Basically, they don't. Uh, the, the The classical liberal is more close to a libertarian, but with big state desires more you know social safety net uh, and other stuff like that today's classic democrats and liberal democrats are just uh their identity their identity politics obsessed um thought nazis who want conformity they're not in fact classic liberals larry sacalaris new lennox illinois 
Hey, Steed, P1 listener from the start at 980 in the evenings when you took over for the Ken Father. I never felt a reason to email you until your guest, John Ziegler, on Tuesday's podcast. I always like brace for this. Like, oh boy, here we go. He was so spot on, though, with all of his takes and especially the politicization of COVID. I was pumping my fist in the car, listening to him and screaming to no one in particular, yes, yes. One point, though, I do want to make, though, I thought there was a soccer match in northern Italy last February that was contact traced to many cases that did cause Italy to shut down the first time. Look, I still want our sports to fully open up, and I hope we can attend games this year, including the Wolfskins in Green Bay. Yes, I do need to point that out. The soccer game was considered to be a super spreader event in Italy that really exploded in the country. But since that time, there have not been any gatherings that have been traced to actually be super spreaders. The reasoning behind that game in Italy is, well, you had a ton of people coming from a bunch of different cities. They weren't testing at the time. They didn't really know how much COVID was prevalent at the time. And I'm sure a lot of supporters, a lot of guys that were going to the uh, to the match, they weren't feeling well. They were sick and they should have stayed home. So we didn't know any better. But since then, uh, there really hasn't been anything traced to, hey, this has happened, and look at all the cases exploding. Every time people freak out about it, whether it's the Notre Dame students storming the field, nothing happened. Whether it's Alabama fans celebrating en masse, nothing happens. Super Bowl parties in Tampa, oh my God, nothing happens. And on and on and on. And by the way, it's been two weeks since Governor Greg Abbott of Texas said, we're mask-free and we're open, even though a lot of stores and counties still have mask mandates. 29% drop in cases, in the two weeks. So the whole wait for two weeks thing continues to be one of the most reliably wrong things that Team Virus loves to say. Let's end on something that kind of has me a little bit spooked, shall we? And that is, this UFO shit is getting real. I mean, it's getting real, real. So there's a story that said that more classified information is going to come out in the coming months here about UFO encounters. Even more than has come out already, including the supersonic Tic Tacs that they can't figure out off the coast of San Diego. Well, now here's another one. UFOs harassed U.S. warships off California. Report. This was in 2019. So recently, mysterious flying objects repeatedly harassed three U.S. warships off the coast of California in 2019, at one point matching the speed and bearing of one destroyer for 90 minutes, according to newly released details from the ship's logs. The unidentified crafts described as unmanned aerial vehicles buzzed three destroyers for several days, according to records obtained by the news site The Drive through the U.S. Freedom of Information Act. As many as six of the drones swarmed around the USS Kidd, the USSF Rafael Peralta, and the USSS, the, the USS, the USS John Finn, at, at sometimes performing brazen maneuvers, according to the report. Uh, the report reads, Kidd reported UAV overhead. White light identified hovering over ship's flight deck. Two UAVs spotted off starboard wing, another log read. The Navy vessels, which are equipped with sensors, radar, thermal imaging, and electro-optical six systems, were nonetheless unable to track the drones when they disappeared. Well, that sucks. 
So you're telling me there's no photos. You're telling me there's no videos. You're telling me there is no infrared. You would think our United States Navy would have binoculars that work in the dark, that reveal objects in pitch black, in high resolution from up to several hundred yards, if not a thousand yards away, and can record internally to the binoculars. You would think, right? Why didn't one of the people on the ship go, all right, get that, get out the special photo binoculars and zoom in. What the hell is that thing? Don't ships have their own drones to go up and investigate and intercept? How far off the coast? Oh, these sightings took place while the warships were engaged in military exercises exercises about 100 miles off the coast, well beyond the range of most commercial drones. Wow. The incident prompted an investigation by the Navy, Coast Guard, FBI, and others, other agencies, but failed to come up with an answer. If there is more to come, buckle up. All right, that'll be it for me today. Thank you so much for listening and downloading and being part of Zabecast Nation. Rate and review as always. Tell a couple friends. If you have had a great week with me, want to support the podcast, or can't live without me, for a fifth day of the week, then do subscribe and become a premium member and get Fridays as well. Charch is due to be on with us tomorrow, and he is always a fun time talking sports, nerdery, life, and more. Thanks for listening. Have a great Thursday, and we will see you next time. Like champagne and leather, like birds of a feather, we'll fly. Like rain and the sun today. March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the my bookie bracket contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes. And it's only a dollar to enter. It doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props. My bookie has you covered. Sign up today at mybookie.ag and use promo code ZABE to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. And make sure you use my promo code so they know I hooked you up. That's promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. And with choices from thousands of lines and odds, you can turn any game day into payday. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.